That's what a mom sense is a show that is informative, engaging, and inclusive. So it makes perfect sense to not discount the dads in our audience. Here to shed light on a father's perspective is my co-host, Michael Perry, founder of Maple, a parenting app with a mission to create a support system for families so the days are manageable, daily tasks are checked off, and there's harmony in your household. Michael is a trailblazer in tech and is a loving husband and devoted father to his two boys. Together, we bring you a special monthly series called What What Matters Matters Most with Maple. When I became a dad, I wondered where my dad groups at. I made it my life mission to provide parents with the support they needed to best take care of their families and want to make sure all perspectives in the parental experience are equal and fair. So moms, dads, and everyone in your village, be sure to tune into What Matters Most with Maple on That Total Mom Sense each month. We've We've got got you. Many couples still feel the stigma around having babies the unconventional way, be it IVF, surrogacy, or adoption. And on this episode, we're going to unpack all of this. We're joined by my co-host, Michael Perry, and I want to share his bio because it's remarkable. He is the founder and CEO of Maple, a company focused on building a better world for all parents. Prior to founding Maple, he founded Kit, which he sold to Shopify in 2016 and where he worked for over four years as an executive overseeing marketing technology. He's been on the Forbes 30 under 30 list, recognized by Inc. Magazine for his contributions in the messaging space and named one of the top marketing executives in the world by Business Insider. Michael currently lives in California with his wife and two sons and two bulldogs. Michael, welcome to That Total Mom Sense and What Matters Most with Maple. Yeah, super excited to be here with you and excited about our very first episode and hopefully many to come. Yes, yes. So I want to start with the journey that you had through having a kid. Yeah, and and I'm just about my second son. So by the time everyone's listening to this episode, I will have had my second son. We're just days away here. And both of those experiences have been radically different with one piece of connective tissue that they're both born by way of IVF. But having a child pre-COVID versus during COVID, and specifically for IVF, I think partners, which is inclusive of all people, not just men, but there's a lot of people in the LGBTQIA community that go by build their families by way of IVF as well. And so it's just been like a radical ride, but very proud to have a two-year-old healthy son that is a product of science. Yes, that's so, so remarkable. I mean, I think it's it's great that we have these this access now. And for those who are hopeful parents, we can be. I want to just backtrack a little bit. When you knew you wanted to be a dad, were you scouring the web for daddy groups or, or those who were going through IVF? Because it can be a really lonely journey. It's Yeah, it sucks, to be quite frank. I, I feel like I've always known that I wanted to be a father. I come from like a very family first like families, everything, household. So I wasn't proactive prior to trying to get pregnant in terms of finding communities. And even in our earlier days of trying to get pregnant and conceive um, the traditional uh, old fashioned way, I wasn't looking either. It was when my wife and I found out in October of 2017 that her and I were going to 
be on a different fertility path than the common traditional way that I really started searching for pockets and searching for community. Cause I personally at that time was struggling with a tremendous amount. I would say arguably in hindsight, some bouts of depression as it started becoming very grim and very real that I may never actually have children or at least not by way of not, uh, you know, my own children, uh, there's always the option of adoption, which my wife and I will continue to explore throughout our life. And there just wasn't anything out there. There wasn't any other fathers. And it was kind of like this weird, which I think the conversation is starting to change things like uh, the podcast that we're putting together now and other men kind of stepping out of the shadows. There wasn't really like this abundance of men or even women for that matter, talking about their journey through IVF. But I found through my wife, there was an abundance of community and support for, for moms and uh, moms Mm -hmm. to be and moms trying. And there just was nothing for dads, which made it a really lonely kind of sad place to find myself. Yeah. Well, we're changing all that. Thanks to Maple. And, and then with our collaboration, you know, having these discussions and, you know, shedding light on these perspectives, because that's the only way we're going to go through any sort of growth. You shared your story on Instagram. Mm -hmm. What reactions did you get from friends and family and followers when you revealed that you and your wife were embarking on your IVF journey? Just to give context, my wife and I are now, we've been together for 15 years this month. Wow. Yeah, we're logging some time here. Yes, yes. Yeah. The sad thing is it all feels like it's just going by so fast. But um, (laughs) So if you backtrack a couple of years, you know, two years ago, we had been together for 13 years. And for years before that, it had been 10 and 11 and 12. And so I think there was the audience of people who had been asking us for a long time, when are you having a baby? who then they like reality kind of set in because we made this post that was like, we're excited to announce we're having a son. And I was immensely, immensely thankful for the scientists and the families beforehand that had been philanthropic and given their life to research to, to advance IVF. And so we made it very clear that we were having children by way of IVF and we had faced reproductive issues. And a lot of that was inspired by the loneliness of not really being able to connect with people through our own process but recognizing that one in three couples have some sort of reproductive issue without even knowing it. One in three women have one block fallopian tube. One in eight uh, men have some sort of issue as well. And so you just don't know what's happening behind closed doors. And so I think we had an abundance of people who kind of reached out without saying that they were sorry for maybe making, I think, pressure-like statements, not realizing what was happening behind our closed door saying, man, I had no idea. I'm so sorry. Like what an incredible story. And thank you for sharing. But we also had a huge pool of people who wouldn't comment on the post, but would privately message on the post saying that, you know, that their wife, a lot of men, their wife was having some sort of problem or they were having some sort of problem and they had no one to connect with. And so I immediately, almost instantly, never expecting that this was going to be the case, found myself a little bit at like the front of a movement of like opening up the conversation. Yes. Basically, since then, I've probably been reached out to by a hundred different individual people, you know, wanting to ask questions or wanting to talk about it or flesh it out or just be there for people. I had a friend recently who reached out who said that, you know, his wife's a little bit older and they've been trying for a long time and they may not be able to have a baby. And I, I remember sitting on the other side of a doctor's office and to someone telling me, you you probably won't be able to have a baby. And so I think just being there for people, that that post, in my opinion really changed my life unexpectedly because 
I became immensely empathetic throughout my own journey of the sadness and the stress and the emotional taxation that the process brings and just wanting to be there for people on a human level with no upside, just be there on a human level and hug somebody and be like, it breaks your heart every day in some cases. And that miscarriage will break your heart every day. And giving yes. those injections will break your heart and watching your wife go through hormonal treatment and wear, you know, patches and take drugs and all the appointments and the blood and the, mm-hmm. it is heartbreaking. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely not easy. And I think the fact that you've been so supportive to your wife makes, you know, the whole ordeal seem a lot more comforting. I don't think I'm special in that way. I think a lot, I might be more vocal than most men, but I've had some hard conversations with some guys who have shed tears watching their wife inject their stomach or have struggled giving a progesterone shot in their wife's derriere or have (laughs) struggled knowing that their wife is drawing blood every three days so that they can adjust her drug treatments because I've been vocal, but I know that the pain is felt. All of us on a human level, uh, regardless of the depth of love you have for somebody, I do think that at a human level, we don't really want to see someone we care about suffer physically or emotionally or mentally. And there's a reality that's happening um, with your partner who's going through it. Right. So when, you know, couples are navigating infertility, they kind of hope no one will find out. You don't want run-ins at the clinic with, you know, a colleague or a friend. And and it's sad that there's this level of embarrassment. How do we deal with that? (laughs) Well, first of all, I relate to that so deeply because I remember, you know, you go up to the fifth floor at UCSF and remember every time I hit the button praying, it's again, it's very common. It's happening in more homes than you know. I actually think that we need to start having a conversation about as people are getting older in life, wanting to have children, you know, we're not having kids as commonly at 14, 15, 16, 17 years of age anymore. When people are in their reproductive finest state, the the new unconventional ways of getting pregnant or building a family are going to become the new conventional ways. I remember just praying, not necessarily out of embarrassment, but, and I think that this is the hard part about being the partner is that, and I still, to this day, four years into our IVF journey, two children, I struggle of knowing, is this our information or is this my wife's information? Mm, Yeah. Um, It's her body. It's, you know, it's our pregnancy. It's our child, but she's the one going through the process. And so I just didn't want to have to find myself in a position where I had to have a conversation with somebody that my wife and I were going through this, but also just not really knowing what's my information to share. In the early days, I struggled with that a lot more than now because my wife and I have become advocates for IVF and science, but the way that we need to turn the tables of embarrassment is like, we need to transition from feeling embarrassed to just feeling immensely grateful. I remember after one of my wife's procedures, I arrogantly went to the doctor and said, I don't care what it takes. Please just get my wife pregnant. He said to me, so, so in such a stoic way, like, and this is the guy who's like the head of reproductive care at UCSF. He like goes around the world teaching people about IVF. And he said, science will help but it now requires the universe to get you there. Like there is this element that it's out of our control, but he reminded me that just 10 years ago, there'd be 0% chance. And so I felt like immensely grateful that the world had gotten to a place and research had gotten to a place that it could happen and just felt like I'm proud of the fact that we're able to do this and grateful that we're able to do this. And maybe I have a bit of like guilt and self-pity that of the, the role I play in the process of it. But I think the people out there going through it need to make it like more of like a 
proud moment of gratitude of being in a generation and time period that we can do this versus living in this world of guilt, sadness, and embarrassment that they are needing the help to do it. Men, very specifically men, but also women, have, uh, um, I think too, I think that there's such a sexual masculinity with being able to say, I got my wife pregnant. And mm. the second you as a man are not able to say, I can get my wife pregnant, there's like a, a weird feeling, I think. And so like, there's a sense of embarrassment that you couldn't get it done. And I think that on a woman's side, there's this, this really genuine, motherly, feminine, rich, deep, human, just rawness about the sadness that there might be issues there as well. And that yes. there's some discounted feeling with that as well. And so it's just, we got to move those mountains and get people to the other side of the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And not live in that place of guilt and shame and totally. feeling like you're falling short. Do you feel like the romance is gone when you have to do it this way? Oh, definitely. One, no, like no question. You know, number one is my son, Leander. That was totally not fun because we had gone through a miscarriage before him by way of IVF. And so it was incredibly clinical mm. um, and incredibly like paralyzing and very fear-driven. And it wasn't like a fun pregnancy. And then you remove the fact that you didn't have sex to get pregnant. Like that clearly was not like um, how you envision getting pregnant or yeah, having your first child. The spontaneity is gone. Yeah. Gone, right? <laughs> like you set an appointment, you go to a doctor, this they're embedding your wife with an embryo. And now there's some moments that are incredibly cool about that. Like I remember them placing, I saw my son when he was in theory, like five days old into the, the creation of human life. Like most people wow. don't get to see that, you know, yeah. and, and, see, and see that moment that he kind of softly drifted and embedded. Incredible. It, it, it's incredible. But you know, on the flip side, my wife got pregnant with our second son, Solomon, who should be here any day. But we set an appointment and, you know, she got on her drug routine and then it was in bedtime and because of COVID, I couldn't even go. So like I dropped her off at her doctor's appointment and she came out of the car. I was like, okay, we're 14 days pregnant. And you're like, okay, here we go. And it's like, there's of course the excitement that you're building your family, but it's not like that you went and had this romantic night and, you know, you guys had yeah. a great time. And then you come home one day and she's standing in the kitchen with a pregnancy stick and you're like, Oh my God, we're pregnant. It's like, it's very clinical. And yes. that hurts. That's a lonely, mm -hmm. that's a whole different world of sadness for a lot of different reasons. But again, every time I find myself in a dark spot, and I hope for people who are listening to this, who are going through it, I also feel immensely grateful that I know I'm going to get to hold Solomon someday. And I'm just thankful to be a dad. I'm just so yes. thankful that I've got to experience this. And that weighs more to me than being romantic. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I wanted to kind of segue into what the joys are um, for you. You know, I mean, it's, oh that's going to be a long, 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 long list. Oh my gosh. We can't, <laughs> we can't even cover that in this entire episode. I just think that and you're a mother of, of three. So you yes. can speak to that. I mean, this is, this is where the playing field is even, right? right. So like, I may right. have had children by way of IVF and you may not have had to, but our love for our children is there is no measuring stick. It's the most uncapped I mean, yesterday I went down from my office and went into the kitchen and I said, I love you. And my son said, I love you. And I just thought like, I'm so thankful oh, I got to hear that. Yes. You know, it's like, I'll never, ever, 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 ever take for granted my son telling me he loves me. Like that means more to me than anything in my life, period. Again, 
I sat there and listened to somebody who became a good friend and doctor of ours, who we've now been philanthropic and power his research. Tell me, you know, you got to get comfortable with the fact that you may not have children. And then yesterday I heard my son tell me, I love you. Like, it's so difficult because I carry so much guilt because I didn't have to do those injections and I didn't have to push a baby out of my body and I didn't have to go through the procedures and I didn't have to do, I didn't have to do anything to have that moment. And I recognize my wife had to do everything to give me that moment. And I just feel, I feel like a servant to the universe because I got everything I want in life. At 35, I have everything I want. I have a healthy child who I think loves me unconditionally. And I hope my second son loves me unconditionally. There's no, I just feel, I know that the odds are stacked against us. I, I just feel the, the deepest sense of gratitude to get to have that. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, we we have like so much gratitude. And there are times, Sunil and I uh, just took a date night last night and we didn't go anywhere. We just drove around. Right. <laughs> um, just went for a drive. Yeah, yeah. So we could talk. And we were both kind of in awe. Like, are the twins four? Trace three? Yeah, I mean, it's going by it's fast. Just, yeah. Fast. Yeah. I still remember the hospital room. I still remember the smell. I still remember the nurses. Like, yeah. And it's just, I can't believe that that was four years ago. And, and that it and was only discount, four years ago. <laughs> and that's a discount. It's not easy. It's a hard job. No. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, when you don't have kids, for the people who are trying, you enjoy those final moments of silence. You enjoy those um, moments of being able to like not have to watch cars 37 times in a week. Right. You enjoy, like, right. there's life does change. There are some parts where you want to pull your hair out, but when you look at like the net positive net score, yes. um, life is so much better. But yeah, last night my son was having a complete, you know, lunchtime is like, I love you. And then last night at dinner, he's like having a complete meltdown. Like, two <laughs> I'm like, holy shit, this is hard. I'm tired. Yes. That is how yeah. long that works. I know. Exactly. I exactly. Would That's love right, right now. now. Where, where's my sweet little baby right now when I need you? <laughs> I know. Um, I going know. for a drive in silence sounds like a gift right now. I um, know. I know. It's, it's so true. It's those little things. What advice do you have for a hopeful dad who's tuning in mm-hmm. as a friend, guy to guy? So to the fathers out there that are hopeful fathers, first, I know what you're feeling right now. I know how dark and sad it can be when you're going month after month after month after month after month. And I know there's a heavy weight associated to trying to be someone else's rock. And I know what it feels like to try to stand up the room for somebody else who's maybe equally struggling for different reasons. In every sense of the world, to someone who's listening, you're not alone. There's a lot of people there for you, myself included. You can email me. I'm always happy to get on a call with somebody and be there for somebody. But this too shall pass. And you may have to wipe your eyes and you're allowed to cry and you're allowed to reach out and you may go through some hard things and you may go through some miscarriages and you may have to give some shots and you, you may experience the worst of the worst of the worst, but with a lot of conviction and a lot of trust in the universe, you will get exactly the child that you need in one way, shape or another, whether that's through IVF, through natural conception, through adoption, through surrogacy, Uh, If you want to build a family, there will be a path there for you. You just have to keep walking that path, no matter how hard it gets. And you will not be disappointed when you get to the end of the road. I will never forget the moments holding my son for the first time. And I can only pray and wish that you get to share that experience too. I want to make sure that our listeners have resources at their disposal. And there are so many 
fatherhood groups nationally and internationally. Not enough, not as many no. as the mommy groups, no. but they do exist. One um, such website is resolve.org and you can find a support group based on whatever your circumstance may be. If you're about to embark on your own IVF journey, surrogacy uh, or adoption. And so it's great to be able to have that in your city to turn to. And I found this really great blog post on Fatherly. It's such yeah. a great blog to, to subscribe to. And there are a slew of community uh, dad groups. And I just want to mention a few now. There's the City Dads group, ideal for those in New York or you know doing the city lifestyle. For stay-at-home dads, there's the National At-Home Dad Network. And for gay dads, the handsome father is a nexus for gay men who want to become dads or those who are already on their fatherhood journey. For dads dealing with postpartum depression, there's postpartum mm. dads. Mm-hmm. For dads, that's a very real thing, by the way. Yes, yes, and it goes. Both Nika, that's ways. a very that's a real thing. There's not a lot of spotlight or attention on the father who goes yes. through a, a wave of grievance for their past life. Right, and that's a very real thing. And also does not get enough credit. So that we definitely should get into that at some point. Exactly. Yes. And two others are for the dads who are advocates, the dad 2.0 summit and for the social dad um, who, you know, wants to make sure to have a social network in his parenting experience, life of dad. And I'll add this, uh, this article to the show notes But Maple, of course, is great to have in your back pocket, helping you and guiding you through managing everything in the household when you're a new father. And there's great blog articles and and personal essays on Maple too, um, which I found really helpful. We we really do try our best to bring people together because I think so much about parenting at times, right? It could be very, very isolating in some ways, right? Because not everyone is sharing the exact same experience in the exact same moment. But certainly uh, once the baby comes, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And certainly more hands make a lighter load. Maple is a great vehicle for that, not to push your own product. One thing I wanted to add too, which I am a subscriber of, which is uh, the dailydad.com. It's a daily um, email that comes through. Um, that's a that's a great resource and sometimes some, some lightheartedness in there as well and tips in there as well. So awesome. Um, uh, um, absolutely worth checking out. Yes, that's great. Michael, thanks so much for sharing your sto- story and being so honest and vulnerable with us because I think that that's most important. I think dads need a spokesperson. They need someone to start it, be the first um, to have these conversations. And I feel like we're going to come a really long way because of them. Well, I don't know if I'll ever be the spokesperson, but I'm certainly humbled that we get to do this together and bring dads into the conversation because there's a lot of dads out there that love and care for their families. And it's okay to acknowledge that it's hard. It's okay to acknowledge that being a dad and in the process of becoming a dad has its peaks and valleys. And hopefully we can all come together around that. We hope you enjoyed the first installment of What Matters Most with Maple. Michael and I want to be very mindful about the topics you want to hear and the perspectives we bring to the table. So we'd love suggestions from you. Email me at that's total at gmail.com. You can listen to these episodes wherever you listen to podcasts 
We're on Google, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Good Pods. And of course, you can listen to them on my website, that's totalmomsense.com and Maple's website, growwithmaple.com. We're honored to have you as part of our community. See you next time.